All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk. Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Well, Sue is off this week, so... How about old Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? That's Fred's news coming up here in just a couple of minutes on 97.1 Talk F- FM Talk. You ready for this, Fred? I'm ready. You all set? Yep. Okay, good. I got a couple of things I wanted to toss out before we did that. I, I told this story, and I never said who this happened to, and I don't think I'll do this now, but you, you might remember that <clears throat> earlier in the summer, I told this story about a friend who had gotten a call on Easter morning. Remember this, Fred? And it was yeah. a claim that their daughter... This is a couple of friends I have from here in San... Actually, people that the listeners might know, but I won't reveal the name. And their daughter was kidnapped. That's what the caller said. And they were in all the panic. This is early on Easter morning. Well, it was a scam. It's something and we talked about at the time. This is what some of these scammers are doing. I mentioned it because I saw this um, in the LA Times today. The headline was, Why I Hung Up on the Person Who Said He Kidnapped My Child. I was driving home Saturday on the 110 freeway and the music on the radio was interrupted by a phone call. The number displayed was 1111111. Got a cough. It's not the COVID. I apologize. Obviously, that's a fake call. Have you ever seen that come in before? Um, Not a 11111. No, I had a neighbor that had one of those calls, though. Says, I should have let it go straight to voicemail, but for some reason I answered. Dad, you have to help me. A young and nearly hysterical voice said, please help me. And this is what happens. They get someone on the phone that sounds like it could be your kid. And then in the moment, you are in a panic. They want you to send Venmo money. So this person says, it didn't sound like either of my sons, but the caller was so upset I couldn't be sure. Who is this? Dad, it's me. I need your help, the caller replied. But then a different older male came on asking if I was going to help my child. If not, he said he was ready to put a bullet into the kid's brain. I was certain this sobbing child was not my older son, and I knew exactly where my younger son was. So I was pretty dang sure it wasn't him either. But when I asked for some proof that this was actually a child of mine, the older male threatened to send me the kid's fingers. He pushed me to make a decision, either agree to help, he hadn't put a price tag on it yet, or say goodbye and send my child to a cartel south of the border where some unspeakable horrors awaited. By the time, or by that time, he says, I had recognized the call as a scam, I said goodbye. But think about being put in that situation. The person who wrote this says it was an easy decision and the right one still nerve-wracking. My wife checked in with my older son who said he was fine and that the call was bogus. My younger son emerged from his engagement a little more than a half hour later. My blood pressure returned to normal sometime after that. But at the time, I can't remember, Fred, did we get someone from the FBI or another law enforcement? Yeah, we did. We did to kind of tell us what to be on the lookout for. So here's what they they reported on this in the LA Times. They said, Eric Aberthnot, who's a special agent for the FBI, said this is a virtual kidnapping scam. 
And typically, it's the work of inmates in foreign prisons. They've been victimizing Spanish speakers in the U.S. for years until 2015. The operation expanded with the help of English-speaking inmates in Mexico. He said fake kidnappers make thousands of cold calls to the U.S. from foreign boiler rooms. I didn't expect that. (laughs) Hoping to hit the phone of someone with a child or a young relative. These telephone extortion schemes work like this. When you answer the phone, the caller will scream or cry something along the lines of, Mommy, Daddy, help me. Exactly the same thing that happened to my, my friends. And by the way, think about it. You, you'd probably just assume, oh, I'm going to know. I can sniff this out. Let's say you're half asleep. It's Easter morning. Your child is in a different city, which is what happened with the friends that I'm talking about. So the caller is counting on you to blurt out the name of the child you think is in trouble. The caller then hands the phone to a second person who threatens to kill, maim, or deliver your child to a cartel unless you send money immediately. They say that the con artists usually demand only a few hundred dollars in ransom um, set by you know Western Union or MoneyGram. How do you even do that, right? <laughs> I guess you got to figure it out. The amounts are modest because the U.S. laws and regulations discourage fraudsters from wiring large amounts of money to other countries. But they make up for it because they do it in volume. So there's so many of these. Even if they can get a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there, they seemingly do pretty well. And you would have to think with, with older people in particular, it might work. So the FBI says, look, hang up. Track down your son or daughter to confirm that the call was a scam. It's okay if you can't find your child right away. It's uh, in the unlikely event that it was a real ransom demand. The kidnapper will keep calling, uh, says the FBI. So I know that's probably a tough thing for someone to do, but it's a scam and you need to know that. It happened a year ago to my neighbor who's a grandmother and the phone rang and it was, Grandma, I need your help. I've, I've been pulled over. I don't have any money. You need to quickly get me some money. Yeah, they but ca- she caught on. They call it the grandparent scam. So in that particular case, they describe this in the LA Times story today. They say, grandma or grandpa gets a call from someone saying their grandchild needs help right away, perhaps to be bailed out of jail or exactly. airlifted to a hospital after a car wreck. And the story says the scammers may tip their hands by demanding a form of payment that makes no sense. For example, some of them demand prepaid gift cards. Um, There was one fraudster that pretended to be an FBI agent that wanted to be paid in Google Play cards. The FBI says, the FBI never asks people for money, and if we do, it's never going to be in Google Play cards. So, (laughs) but I mean, it's nuts. And it's just another one of those things like, it's the verbal form of a phishing scam that you would get on email that people fall for all the time. They think, oh, enter my credit card here, or whatever the case may be. It's not real, but this is ramping up, and people need to be aware. So I wanted to pass that along. I thought that was interesting that there was a story about that. Let's do that this hour. This, I'm sorry, this afternoon. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now, Sue's News. Brought to you by Sue. Well, not today, but that's okay. It's Fred's News, ladies and gentlemen. So, 123 years ago, in 1899, and Mark, you'll like this, Dr. George Grant, a black dentist from Boston, patented the golf tee. Wow. Yeah. Up until then, golfers teed off from a mound of sand. Oh, really? They pile up sand and hit it off of the sand. That's interesting. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you I never thought about that. too much to come up with the idea of the golf tee, but that guy probably did pretty well, right? Yeah, I guess so <laughs> back then, yeah. Uh, 65 years ago today, in 1957, Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13-year-old cousin, Myra Gale Brown. And he just died, right? Bef- yeah, before his divorce was finalized from his second wife. The scandal nearly ended his career. 
uh, after a reporter in London found out about it. Um, the Moral Outrage killed his UK tour, pushed all of his songs off the radio, and uh, Jerry and Myra were together for 13 years until she reached the age of 26, and then they got so divorced. So they were together the same amount of time that she was yeah. old when they got right. married. That's very interesting. Yeah, he right. died on October 28th. That's very gross. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> and uh, 59 years ago, in 1963, uh the fastest selling record of all time at that time um, made its mark. It was the John Fitzgerald Kennedy a Memorial album. It sold 4 million copies in six days. What was that on was in, said album, Fred? I imagine it was a spoken word of his speeches, oh, okay. that sort of oh. thing. 4 million copies, but that's that pretty was good. 4 million. Got a lot of artists out there that would love to just sell, sell half that amount, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you remember, and there's some sound with this one, Mark. Uh, on this date, December 12th in the year 2000, 22 years ago, George Bush was transformed into the president-elect as the divided U.S. Supreme Court reversed a state court ruling in Florida on those recounts in that contested election. Oh, so this was the day. I, I remember that election, Fred, and then I remember I was in Milwaukee at the time. I went to Deer Camp in Howard County because even when I was in Wisconsin, I would still come to hunt. And we didn't have a result until this day in 2000. Clearly, it looks like it's all over uh, for Al Gore at this point. The more we go through this decision, there just doesn't seem to be any place for him to go. That's Bob Schieffer Schieffer. who was doing that report. I just remember that election night uh, working at KMOX and Al Gore called in to get on the air. He Even called that night at KMOX, really? Closed. Yeah. Wow. Well, because was, Missouri must have been at, was, was it at play it was, still? There was, yeah, it was yeah. still in play. And I think they had to de- had to delay the closing times for some reason or another. And I was producing the election coverage and I wouldn't let them on live. Can't believe I decided that. But wow, I didn't seriously? Think it was fair. I didn't think it was fair. You so think it was we recorded fair? it. I had Bob Hamilton go into another studio and record them. And then we played it back a little bit later on. Fred, the election arbiter, yeah, I'll tell you what. Well, I mean, well, that was always, back in the day when we used to actually think about things related to ethics and journalism and whether <laughs> things were appropriate, right? And we always had a policy. We wouldn't let it. If you were running, you couldn't get on the day of the election. Right, right. Because there'd be no way to get, you know, evened up if you said something not true. That's interesting, though. Yeah. Okay, here's a birthday. On this date, 99 years ago, uh, game show host Bob Barker was born. The actual retail price of your showcase is... 15,070. You're over. Gene wins. You know, know, I didn't know he was still alive. Well, that's the thing. Some of us might not have known if he was still alive, but Bob Barker's still alive. I should have uh, sent our friend George Gray a text about that. I don't know if they ever see, you know, Bob wandering the hallways of CBS these days or not, if he ever comes back. His family said he's going to spend the day at home watching his favorite TV shows. <laughs> Which does not include The Price is Right or does? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. And I know, doesn't he always, he used to always end uh, the spay show telling people, yeah, yeah spay and, spay and That's something right. that George Gray still does when he's here. He'll make that joke at the end right, of his. He'll right. say, remember, spay and neuter, fill in the blank. Okay, the movie box office for the for the weekend. Uh, Black Panther topped the box office for the fifth straight week. Uh, it pulled in another $11 million. I think that's kind of low. Isn't that it's kind of a slow week? Well, yeah. But, I mean, were they number one, you're saying? Yeah, yeah that was number not, one. Not much getting released, I guess. That's a domestic total to $409 million so far and global total over $767 million. Violent Night, which is a holiday-themed action thriller, came in second place with $8 million. Disney Strange World was next. The Menu, 
and Devotion raised $2 million. That rounded out the top five. And I don't see Glass Onion in that top list, so that must have slipped down. I watched that yeah. over the weekend. That's the Knives Out mystery, which is sort of the sequel to the other one that came out a couple years ago, but just different cast outside of Daniel Craig. I thought it was okay. It's out in the theaters right now. Uh, it's got a great cast. Edward Norton's really good as this... Um, this guy who lives in Greece and invites everyone, he's a big, t- he's like an Elon Musk character. That's basically okay. who Edward Norton plays. And he brings all his friends from back in the day to play a mystery game on his island. But then things go awry, as you might imagine, and Daniel Craig has to solve the um, the puzzle. There were a couple of Golden Globe nominations for that movie, including Janelle Monet, who was pretty good. But I thought it was, it's going to be on Netflix, I think, next week, right before Christmas. It wasn't anything that I would say I would watch again. Wakanda Forever premieres this week. Yep, that one's finally so going to stream. That's going to probably be number one next week and end the, uh, you know. No, I'm sorry. Avatar. The oh, way Avatar of water. Gets Avatar. Released. That's what right, I meant yeah. to say. Avatar is what um, opens this week. So that'll probably be number one next week. No doubt. And the next week and the week after that. It's going to be big. I'm excited about it. I've already it. got tickets for Are that. Are you really excited about it? I am. See, I'm, I'm like the person that's, I have no interest and I don't know why. I keep seeing the ads. I've heard good things, good buzz, by the way, yeah. about the movie. And I just don't have any interest. I don't know. The, the first time, the first, the first movie when it came out, I know as a family, uh, we ordered tickets ahead of time and all went and saw it. And so I guess we're doing that again since the boys will be in town for the holidays. So yep, we'll that's go what and my see family's it. doing too. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> it is going to drive people to the theaters. There's Absolutely. no doubt. Yeah. That's yeah. part of the goal here. Obviously. And it looks beautiful. The, the promos of it on TV look really good. Uh, story in the Wall Street Journal today said that some employers are racing to snap up workers in this tight labor market and they're omitting a step once considered crucial to hiring. They're not doing job interviews. They're just hiring. UPS. <laughs> UPS bulked up its staff without conducting job interviews for package handlers oh, the crowd and didn't seasonal like that drivers. Much. Are you serious? No. Home Depot has sent job offers as quickly as 24 hours after candidates apply online. And, in, 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 you know, they don't do the interview process. So basically, here's where we are. If you want a job, if you apply for the job, you get the job. No questions asked, Right. At That's where we are in 2022. Gap, Gap ready to head into 2023. Has, jo- has dropped its job interviews for some warehouse positions, um, and many of the regular businesses say they've they've exhausted ways to attract workers, including pay raises, signing bonuses, and benefit. Yeah, they packages. can't find people, right? Right now, they say they've shifted their focus is just. Hire people. them as soon as just, they apply. Just get them in because they're just probably going to quit in. anyway. So why That's go right. through the interview process and everything like that? I don't know where this takes us, Fred. I really don't. I don't know. I said this the Did last- Did we interview Abby? Uh, yeah, I think so. I was interviewed oh, for okay. my part-time position. And then I did like a little interview for this position with Steve. So I don't well, know if it was you a good guys hire. It was a good hire. Her. She was vetted. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, think, think about- well, in a lot of these positions, let's face it, uh, do you need an interview? I think maybe that's what they're saying at this point. They're saying, look, we need bodies, we need people. Are you qualified right. to do a warehouse job? You can have the warehouse job. But, you, you know, I think we're all set up for this in the past couple of years, especially the past year. You just have to be, and I'm the, the least patient person on the planet, but you have to anticipate if you go to a restaurant. Uh, I experienced this yesterday at, at a restaurant in Kirkwood. The service is just not going to be where you need it to be. And it might not be because that person's bad at what they're doing. It's just because right. they've got so many tables or so much more on their plate because of lack of workers, right? Right. It it seems to happen. There's businesses that are closing down earlier um, than they should because they don't have workers. Sometimes you might roll up on the place, they're closed. Well, they don't have workers. Yeah. One other thing, I I saw people online over the weekend 
talking about the, the smallest hills they're willing to die on. So it's like an argument that's not worth arguing about, but they're not going to change their mind. Um, one of them is um, tiny and jumbo paper clips should not be mixed. Ooh, Fred, that I, might be kind of in your wheelhouse. It is, yeah. it is. What do you I, think about that rule? I think they should be separated. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I got over it because in, in our office, Abby's got a container that has them mixed. And I, I just always... pick up random paper clips that are just lying around and collect them so we can reuse them. All right. I, I'm so. going to go with Fred. I think they need to be separated. Thank you. Uh, four ways, on that one there. Four-way stops are not the place for pleasantries. <laughs> well, that's probably true. That's right. Go, go when it's your turn. Don't be allowing other people to go. Uh, you shouldn't put ketchup on fries that other people are sharing with you. If you're going to share your fries, don't put ketchup on it. Well, who does that? I mean, don't you kind of put ketchup right to the side of the fries? I would you put can it on dip the side. it in there. That's right. Yeah, all right. One bless you should cover the whole sneezing session. I'm, I'm kind of good with that, right? Yeah, I've been caught in that once. I'll like say it twice, and, and then, then it you keeps sneezing. Keep going. It's like, well, oh, if I'm you're in my stop. household, the, the over under on the amount of sneezes once my wife gets going is usually at about nine, and I usually take the over. She gets to like 11, 12, or 13. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's like, I want to leave the house. And I understand <laughs> it's not her fault, but. It goes yeah. on and on and on. Um, women's clothing should have more pockets. Yes. I had no idea um, about that. Let's just say my jeans right now have like the space where pockets could be, but it's sewn shut, so there's no pocket. Well, I don't know why they That's would say that. dumb. I agree yeah. with you. It's wow. baloney. Um, one other. Reese's trees should be called treesies. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah. Okay. And so how about our uh, random fact of the day? CVS, America's largest pharmacy chain, was founded in Massachusetts in 1963. What does CVS stand for? Mm, I have no idea. That's actually I a really good don't. question. Let's see. CVS. No clue, Fred. Consumer Value Store. So there you have it. Okay. Yeah, there you have it. Is right. Didn't know. What does Walgreens stand for? <laughs> Why is there a Walgreens across from every CVS? There's yeah. another question, right? It's just like the Burger King and McDonald's. It drives people in. It's crazy. It's 426 on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, every once in a while, I like to touch base with my friend Ron Scheller. He's called the Bat Guy because he extracts bats from your home and other wildlife. He did that for my home many years ago in South City. That's how we became friends. But we're also about to do a little beaver trapping here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, right? I always like saying that just because I know it elicits quite the reaction from a good portion of the crowd. And um, it's kind of naughty to say as well. How are you, Ron? I'm doing pretty well, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, you're you're coming off the COVID for the first time, right? Yes, yes. It knocked knocked me for a few days, and, and uh, I'm hard to hold down. So you know, here I am. <laughs> yeah, and you. I think you said something to me last week, where I saw you post. You're you're like one of those guys that never gets sick, right? So that that must have been hard on you. Yeah, yeah. I just it just seems like if I'm slowed down, it's it's 
more mental stress than anything else. It's like, wait, I've got things to do. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the things you're doing at this time of year. This is not the time where, well, you tell me, because a, a lot the, the way that I got to know Ron, and we've shared this story before, is I, um, I found out about him, I Googled him, and I had this back guano on the front porch of my house in South City near Coronado Park, and sure enough, Ron had to come over and, and seal that up, and then we just kind of started to get to know each other and hang out a little bit, and I love some of the things that you do. So with the bat work right now, that's a quiet time, isn't it? It is, yes. They're in the hibernation period, and in Illinois, we can't do them until March 15th again, so kind of bat work is off off the table right now. Um, but it's kind of like a light switch about the time that we have to stop doing bats, which is October 30th. Um, this year, they were active all the way through the third week in November because the temps were pretty good. But we still couldn't do them just because there are regulations. Yeah, so what happens in that case? Someone might see a bat or have one in their home, and then they freak out. They call you, and what's the process? Basically, I still try to do the inspection of the uh, exterior of the structure, figure out where they're getting in, and basically it's a, a plan for next spring. And as soon as we can evict them again, I'll, I have them on the list, and we know where to go. If they're getting into their living quarters at night, which is – this weather, they're still pretty active. Like I said, they, they're not going out to, to feed on insects or anything, but yeah. the, the warmer temps kind of get some rustling around inside, and they'll get into the house sometimes, and they can't figure out how to get out. And uh, I may seal the inside, you know, try to find the gaps like in a utility room where they're coming around uh, maybe a hot water heater pipe or something between the pipe and the ceiling or, you know, similar gap, and try to isolate them into the attic or wall cavities for their hibernation period so they don't get in with the folks. And uh, it's it's kind of a stopgap measure. It doesn't always work. Like a big old Victorian home has so many potential entries. You can, you can just beat your brains out trying to, to do it. And uh, it, it's a hard sell, though, to tell people, oh, we can't do anything. You know, we have to wait. And and it's really not so much the regulations that prevent it. It's It's nature. You know, I mean, you can't make bats go outside during the hibernation period. They know... There's no bugs flying around to eat. So you can seal a house and put one-way escape valves on it all you want. It does, it's just a waste of time and effort because the bats don't care. They're not, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're not no, going I get out. It. it just makes sense. So what are the calls coming in on right now? I'm guessing like raccoons and squirrels and stuff like that. Those two. Those two are the biggies. And I think I might have mentioned like a week ago or something. You might have sent me a text or something. Um, I had like eight or nine beaver calls all within a couple of days. And I am sitting right now, you'll, you'll be tickled here. Um, I had to meet the, the IDOT guys here, the highway department folks. There's a flooding issue along Old 66. Um, you've been up this route with me many times. And uh, the beavers have dammed up a drainage canal between the highway and the railroad tracks and basically flooded some farm fields. And they couldn't figure out what's going on. This water just will not go away. And I, Talked to one of the guys. I seen him out of work, <clears throat> and uh, told him what was going on. I said, "Hey, they've got like a five foot beaver dam in that culvert on the other side of the, the highway." So they met me out here, and I gave him the tour and showed him what was going on. Well, they're going to bring a track hoe in here and try to get it cleaned out. But prior to that, I'm supposed to trap them out because they know it's a waste of time and money to to tear a great big dam out with the track hoe. <laughs> excuse me, and leave the beavers in here because. Yeah. 
three three days later, it's going to be rebuilt. Well, so. this is a very good way to educate people on why, because I, when I got to know Ron, he invited me to do all kinds of things that I'd never done before. Like I, I've been an outdoorsman. I've hunted. I've bird hunted. I've deer. I've never trapped. I never did any trapping. All the people, all my friends in Howard County, the Jaeger boys that I hunt with, they did trapping when they were younger. It was just nothing I was ever exposed to. And by the time I was doing hunting and fishing, it wasn't a real big deal because the, um, you know, the fur market had kind of gone by the wayside. But one of the reasons you have to do this for muskrat and beaver in particular, there could be a bunch of muskrats that are tearing up a pond at a golf course or a dam at a golf course. The beavers can be very, they're wonderful animals and they're very smart and it's very impressive to see the work they do. I know that you put something up on your Facebook page with these fresh beaver cuttings with the swamp that you're talking about and they, they are hard workers, aren't they? But they're also destructive. Yes, they are extremely good engineers and, uh, I, I appreciate what they do many, many times. It's just unreal. They just do it in the wrong place sometimes. <laughs> it's just <laughs> their activities are not compatible with modern agriculture. So, so well, are we gonna, you think we have an opportunity to get out here in the next couple of weeks? I told you I want to grab my, my daughter, so I would like to get out and see if we can do some trapping. Oh, yeah, this will be one of our spots here. I'm just I'm looking out that truck window. If I stepped out my door, I'm going to be waist-deep in water right here. <laughs> um, and I, I, it's not supposed to be here, this water. But, yeah, wait, I've got permission from the highway department to actually get these ditches cleaned out of beavers before they can get their track holes in here and, and do their thing. But uh, it's, it's kind of a – it's kind of neat, instead of just being out doing it as a sport-type trapping thing, to actually be helping, you know, solve a, a major problem. You know, and, and it's just – the, the problems exist and there just aren't very many people who understand what to do about it <laughs> and this is you know it's a it's a process just so people know ron when, when you go out and you put a trap out that we might check let's say that you and i get out this weekend to check some traps you go out on maybe friday set the traps we go out saturday to check them but you have to check those within 24 hours right that's that's abiding yeah, by the law yeah, yeah we have a daily trap check law here yep um moles are a big thing still right now at this time of year aren't they yeah the, the ground is thawed out still and, and i've been been doing some moles you know Buckets of them. So yeah, I'm getting getting a lot of mole calls. My my cat Dash is pretty good at um, at catching moles. So he's cool. up for. Um, but what do people do? You know, I, I think people think they and they they know they have them in their yard. What is the best thing to do with moles? To set traps? Can you get rid of them that way? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's by far the the solution. Um, there are a million mythical remedies and all kinds of gadgets and gimmicks that people use, and they think that some of them work, but it's it's mainly it's just a coincidence that they moved on elsewhere before, you know, about the same time they put this magic potion in the ground. One of the one of the things that I love with uh, with Ron Scheller, the back guy, is I, you know, we follow each other on Facebook and I see your stories and you're always putting interesting pictures up and you're doing things that I would never do and most people would never do. But you always have some very unique stories that you can share from people over the course of the year. So in 2022, do you have a couple of stories, whether it's a squirrel a raccoon, a beaver, anything that kind of jumps out at you. If I were to ask you to put a top five list together of stories from 2022 with some people that have made the calls to you, Ron. Oh my gosh. Um, that just kind of puts me on a spot. <laughs> Cause um, there's so many, right? There is. Um, oh my gosh. See, I should have prepped you for that one. I figure because I see, I, all, no, I, I, I see all of them on on Facebook, and I should have told you I was going to ask you that because there's so many, right? Well, and that's the thing. I see so many crazy things throughout each week that I don't know. To most people, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened," 
and I'm like, okay, another day. <laughs> you know, it's just... Well, like, for example, you put a link on your site from, uh, I'm not sure which market this was, maybe down in Springfield, where it said, Missouri woman bitten by a bobcat kitten after mistaking it for the cat. Police said in a post on Twitter, word of advice, if you don't want to pick up a cute little kitten dependent, make sure, or if you do want to pick up a cute little kitten, make sure it's not a bobcat first, right? They yeah. do bite and scratch. Yeah. Be careful yeah. out there. Yes, a friend of mine posted that on my site. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I see some owl pictures up on your site as well. Um, do you have to get rid of owls from homes? They will get into chimneys, uh, especially barred owls. I don't know what it is with those little dudes, but they're not little. Um, they they mistake a chimney for a uh, hollow tree, and once they bail in a, a slick flutile, they're not getting back out. So people call me with these horrible guttural sounds coming out of their fireplace and the the barred owls will get down onto the damper plate and can't get any farther and they can't get up so they just after a day or two of fighting they start doing a really weird probably a desperation type uh, of noise and people have no idea what it is and oh so people people hear the noise and then they know that something's in there but they're not exactly sure what it is yeah, and and then like two or three days later, they keep they hear it again. It's like okay, something's kind of messed up here. And um, when I hit hit the flashlight from the rooftop, look down there. There's those two giant eyes looking back up up at you. It's like hey, look at this. Hey, I'm looking at a video right now. So I started chewing around, and you posted this from somebody that, and this is what the the. The post says, per Riley's request, show everyone what the raccoon did. We are headed to get checked out for rabies following this unprovoked raccoon attack. I can't tell you how proud I am of this brave girl. What was that story? You see a ring camera, essentially, and uh, a little girl that's being attacked by a raccoon, and then mom has to come out and basically throw it in the middle of the uh, yard. I cannot believe she was able to hang on to that thing. Um, Those things can turn around inside their own skin and just... They're so strong, it's ridiculous. So you got a little girl here. Let me set this up. A little girl is just kind of looking like she's going to walk into her house, coming home from school or something like that, and a raccoon is biting her around the legs and trying to attack her. How often does that happen? Yeah. It's it's not extremely common. Um, in most cases, I think I might even mention my comment on that, that most of the time those things are caused by someone feeding them. And I don't. I'm not saying those folks were doing it because they weren't. But a lot of times people in the neighborhood will feed the things because they think they're cute. And uh, I think some weirdo guy did that a couple of years ago. But anyway, <laughs> I may have. But mom picks up the raccoon, grabs it, looks like kind of grabs it from the scruff, flops it around a couple of times and just heaves it into the middle of the yard. It was a pretty crazy video. It was. It was. But they uh, they are extremely powerful animals and definitely aggressive at times. It's it's not super common, but it's it's the ones that are kind of habituated to humans you know are like you know they kind of associate us with food and they lose their fear of us really quickly when they, whenever we have things that taste good yeah i guess so ron scheller the bat guy always great to hook you up i hope we can get something on the calendar here soon to go out and do some trapping i like to do it we don't get out every year but i'd say every two or three years we tend to hang out and spend some time together a couple of times i brought my kids my little brother from big brother so we'll take the little seven and a half year old and get her exposed she's okay at deer camp i think she can pull it off ron oh yeah she'd love it you know it. Get me some dates. We'll get out soon. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, right. Mark. It's the back guy on 97.1 FM Talk. I think uh, St. Louis hockey fans, Frank Cusimano, want a team that can score some goals and stop the other team from scoring because it's not getting better, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Now, the good news is yesterday they had this streak going in where they'd given up 
four goals or more in nine straight games. So that streak ended, but the losing continued. And the way it happened, where you play a pretty good game against a good team, now admittedly the Avalanche were beat up, but you had that game won, and you just, seven more seconds, you win it in regulation, and then in overtime, boom, it's over like that. That's about as frustrating as you can possibly get. I mean, they've been blown out of games. They've been blown out of buildings. But when you have that victory snatched from you in the final seven seconds, that's about as brutal a loss as they've had all season, and they've had many. And are we at the point now where you're throwing your arms up? I mean, what, what's the answer here? Because it, it's messy. It's complicated. you got guys that are getting paid a lot of money that aren't performing. There's chemistry issues. It just doesn't seem to be getting better. There's goaltending issues, let's face it. <laughs> right now, I think you could admit that, right? Yeah, although Bennington was pretty good yesterday. If Colton Pareko just gets in front of his man in the final seven seconds, you're talking about a victory. But he's been up and down. Look, the bottom line is um, there's there's 16 teams that make the NHL playoffs. So, so there's eight in the Western Conference, and the Blues are 12th. Nashville, by the way, is 11th. This is a game you got to win tonight. They drop the puck at seven. You don't want to drop – further down in the standings to the Nashville Predators after 9 o'clock tonight. Let's talk a little college hoops. Some of us naively thought that Mizzou could contend against KU on Saturday. That didn't happen, but it wasn't a good weekend for any of the area teams, was it? No, we went 0 for Saturday. It was brutal. Uh, The Mizzou game was the most hideous in terms of like a final score, 95-67. Mark, let me tell you a quick little story. You know, uh, right before Mizzou uh, was about to make a decision on a coach, they had Quinn Snyder and Bill Self in the same hotel in Columbia, Missouri. And they decided to choose the Quinn Snyder door, and they did not choose Bill Self. Well, I don't care how long ago that was. Every time Bill Self plays Mizzou, he wants to stick it to him. And he was not going to let up on the gas pedal. That's why it was 95-67. He's a really good coach, and he's got really good players. And Mizzou's just not at Kansas's level yet. And they probably won't be this season. No, and, I, and look, going in, I think I was realistic. I thought that they would make it closer. And was there an opportunity to get some momentum going where they could have maybe snagged a victory? Uh, I naively thought that there was. Now you got the Bragging Rights game coming up. Illinois came off a, a great win against Texas last week. Number two, Texas beating them. They drop one over the weekend to uh, Penn State. I don't know if they have another game before the Bragging Rights game. But that game, it doesn't tend to matter how good one team is over the other. They typically are pretty competitive. They are, as long as, like, Mizzou's not in a disastrous situation like they have been at times, but not now. I mean, this this is a solid team. I'm not sure if it's, you know, a top six or seven team in the SEC, but I do think it's, it's a solid team. And Illinois, I'm telling you, I mean, Brad Underwood is, is just as ticked off as Dennis Gates is. I mean, you lose at home to Penn State like that, I and mean, they got blown out. They got beat badly by Penn State. So, it's going to be a great December 22nd affair at, um, at Enterprise. And, and what about SLU, though, right now? Because they're, they're not meeting expectations once again. Well, i got to tell you, of all three teams, they have been the most disappointing. I mean, Missouri being 9-1, and I'll take that in a heartbeat. Illinois beating you know, a school like Texas and UCLA, yeah, we'll take that. But SLU losing, getting blown out by Iona, and then on Saturday to Boise State, you know, these are games you got to win some of these games. That, that's like an NCAA tournament resume kind of win, and they got beat at home by Boise State. That was tough. 
Looks like Sean Murphy um, is going to the Braves. I saw that this afternoon. That was the number one target for the Cardinals when it came to catching. They get Wilson Contreras and some of this kind of shaking itself um, out elsewhere. We're getting, look, we're getting, I have Matt Holiday on in the next time. I'm looking forward to talking with the new bench coach because we're going to talk about the Tree of Hope campaign. But the winter warm-up is just around the corner and then right into spring training. Yeah, you know what, too? I know a lot of people were advocating Sean Murphy because his defensive prowess is a little bit better than Wilson Contreras. For my money, I think Mo made the right decision. Uh, Contreras is a much better offensive player, and you didn't have to give up precious prospects to get him. So, and who knows? I think Mo's got another move in him. I don't think it's going to be a free agent, but he's got prospects to move, and maybe it's going to be for a pitcher. Because, Mark, I don't know if we've discussed, discussed this. After next year, they lose the entire rotation. Oh, I know. There's uh, a lot of free agents. Four of the five guys are gone. Yeah, that's five. interesting. All right, well, it's going to be an interesting um, couple of months leading up to the season. Frank, have a great week. We'll talk on Friday. Okay, sir. Thank you. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 